0: Okay. i think we're gonna we're gonna have a popular in tonight by the by the look of it that's great i
1: uh, know we're all kicking off we're gonna be going into it so i've the recording's on everything's working <laughs> and we're gonna be professional i don't want no no messing around it's a professional show only joking and the ones with the noises, so anyways, hello everyone, welcome to the architecture social and uh, the Global Architects Alliance special, where we will be talking about finding your first job in architecture. so the first one of these we did we talked about the starting point. last week we talked about CVs as well, and I guess if you if you think of the CV as the core component which would be the structural elements of the house in this analogy? Well, the portfolio is all the little bits and bobs inside that house, which makes you want to buy it. The portfolio in the analogy, I think, is super, 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 super important because it's the bit that's going to convey to the client uh, that and it's going to wow the client that they should hire you as well. And also, the portfolio. As well as the, what you send in an email to an employer to get a job, and we'll talk about how that should look. But the portfolio is not, is also it's the talking point in an architecture interview. So if anyone hasn't been to an architecture interview yet, do not worry. We've all been there. I've been there, and don't worry, you can do it too. It's going to be very normal to be a little bit nervous, but typically, unlike other interviews, say now you're going for a, you know, a job as an accountant or whatever, you're not going to be talking around a bunch of Excel sheets. Probably not. I don't think so, Jason. I think that accountants do talk about other things than just Excel, looking at Excel documents. (laughs) 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 But the point I'm making is we're a bit of an anomaly in that the interview is focused around the portfolio. Architecture is a visual industry. Okay, and what that means is the portfolio is a really good gateway into showing the interviewer all the skill sets that you've done. But the thing is, uh, the 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 can't get my words out. Basically, it's like a Friday here in the UK because we're all going on all day in a bit. But um, (laughs) the portfolio in the interview can seal the deal, or it can it can deter someone because it's visual. It has to what it has to stack up. It has to wow the person. And more importantly, it needs to convey to the interviewer that you are the right person for the role. That you can do this position. And the interview should help you talk through that interview. It should be you should be able to go through that portfolio illustrate all the work that you've done, talk about your roles and responsibilities and back that up with what you're showing in the portfolio so that they hire you. And also before you get to the interview, the portfolio is going to be probably the second document after the CV they open. And you want that portfolio to be not too long, but also you want to, you you want to pack in as much important information as possible that, The employee thinks, I've got to invite this person for an interview. So without further ado, before we do that, before I go and talk further about portfolios and before Jason talks about portfolios as well, Jason, do you want to introduce everyone yourself? um, And I think in key importance here is because as well as an architect, you are a hiring manager as well. So if you can tell everyone about all about yourself, first of all, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. So, um, so yeah, my name is Jason Boyle. I've been an architect for 22, um, years and for, um, nearly 14 years I've actually, um, been uh, working in the nuclear industry and working on projects in the range of, um, 250 million to, um, over a, over a billion pounds. And so we, we work on large projects with architects, consultants, and, um, also, uh, many other disciplines. who so we're multi-discipline design team. But it's very much uh, it's very much sort of large um, laboratories and and large industrial buildings. And th- this subject's really, I think, really key. And, and especially this episode that we're talking about um, with portfolios, because you know, I think one thing I want to pause back to you, Stephen, is um, I think. The portfolio that you send out with your C V should be different than the portfolio that you um you present at an interview. Maybe that's mm. something you're gonna to touch on. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, but fantastic room. It's uh, great to see so many people as well. I can see some
1: familiar faces as well. Yeah, uh, we got some old faces, some new faces. That's what it's all about. And uh thanks, Jason, for that. Why I think it's so important that you care as us- It's good to offer two sides of the coin because you've been and. I've been as well in that position as a part one architectural assistant, nervous, first job in the industry. But it's also very interesting to see the other side of the table. And I've interviewed a lot of part ones and part twos. For anyone that doesn't really know, I did. I worked the last year in an architectural practice as their hiring manager at Acra Lowry. And for the eight years before, I've worked in architectural recruitment as well as being a part one and part two architectural assistant. So I've kind of seen the mistakes that people make as well as the things that um, really grab people's attention and get some of the job. So thanks for that, Jason. I'm going to talk about the point that you raised because I think that will kick us off perfectly. So I've done a little intro, but let's talk about first and foremost, the initial portfolio that is going the employer is going to see. It's probably going to be the one that you send in an email with your CV. Now in the recruitment world, that's what's called a sample portfolio. And you don't need to know Uh, so much about why it's called the sample portfolio. But the reason I tell you that is because Jason's right. There's there's a massive distinction between the portfolio that you're going to send in an email compared to the portfolio in person and why it's called a sample. It's like as an architect, you get a sample of paint before you paint the wall. And that's exactly what it is. You're giving the employer a sample of what you do. And it shouldn't be a long document. It shouldn't be 50 pages. This needs to be like the best hits needs to be all killer no filler and you want to put just enough in that portfolio that that person feels like they haven't quite seen everything yet but what they see they like and that's when they invite you for the interview what you don't want to do is bore someone to death with like 55 sheets you know Jam packed with drawings and all this stuff, which you think, oh my, this is handy, the shows everything, that's going to bore them to death. And, and I think it's also a good skill that all architects need um, is to condense some stuff down. So, and before I give some advice, there is no one way to do things. There's some patterns which I've seen which successful people share, but Please don't think that you have to do a portfolio the way we're talking today. And I'm just going to, me and Jason are just going to give you a flavor of some ideas, but I will tell you a lot of the things which don't work in the portfolio as well. So uh, let's talk about that sample of work that you're going to send in your portfolio in the email. I think it would be smart not to do probably more than five to eight pages. You should aim for five if you've got one or two more then fine. Now what everyone does when they start in designing their portfolio, Jason, I don't know if you were guilty of this as much as me. You will it, the the blank page is scary and we love to fill it up with crap, excuse my language. So I always laugh on portfolios when it's got big Stephen Drew portfolio, and that's page one. Then it's content, page two. And um and then at the end, it says, thank you. <laughs> and it's like, that's three pages that, you know, I know what the document is. Basically, if you load that PDF and you label that PDF, portfolio.pdf, I, I pretty much know it's that. Um, so don't worry about starting on the blank state, but try not to do filler pages. And especially in the portfolio that you're sending, it's all killer. So, okay, Jason, I'm going to use you as my analogy. Okay, so if I want to apply for Jason's team, okay, and I we haven't scripted this, so I'm going to think on the fly. So if I put really particularly want to go into the nuclear sector or Jason, then I'm going to guess between all the kind of stuff that I've seen that Jason's talked about online that any, any in, in my portfolio, any examples of complicated BIM models would probably... Catch his attention because I know for a fact that seller fields where Jason works uses Revit and Jason was one of the first people to bring it into the nuclear sector. So that's going to help. And then maybe I don't have nuclear work, but I would start trying to think of the detail that I've done. Maybe that's not all in Revit, but, uh, you know, I put a detail in. I would try to put maybe an axometric. try to give some variation, and I would try to give as much professional work as I possibly can in there. And, for instance, I would try to cover some of the RIBA stages, and let's say Jason put a rollout saying, looking for someone, um, you know, to do technical, complicated problems, then uh, from that other word of the technical, I would gravitate towards trying to show more detail, trying to show more construction drawings and, and in BIM wherever possible in that sample portfolio. Now, that's what I would probably try to do in five or six pages to, go where you work, Jason. So, I mean, you can shoot me down live if you want, but would I have half a chance with that? Some revits and some technical stuff?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's right. You're tailoring your portfolio um, or your sample, uh, so we're calling it a sample portfolio, to yeah. that particular practice. And I think that's, that's what people really don't get. So if, you, say if you're, you, mm. you're applying to a, a medium-sized practice that does a lot of residential, um, and you, um, you, you know, you, you've got some residential work, but you need to put that right at the front and make that the, that the main thing that, you know, that that they see, you know, because, because the time, the timing on things is, is so critical. We talked about last week, didn't we, Stephen, about, you know, your CV or literally get between yeah. five to 10 seconds. The portfolio then might get more time, but if that, then first few pages, are not really thought about and considered and tailored to that particular practice um then you know that then you then you you sort of put yourself at a disadvantage so what you said is right it's it's essentially making it um tailoring that and more specific and I like that thing of if I get a sample portfolio of five pages that's perfect you know i don't want to um look through fifty pages um so you, you just you just you're just kind of saying. I want to know more. I want to know more about you, and you're just giving people a taster. Like, like you said, Um, so so, you know, you want the idea. The the job of that, the job of that sample portfolio, is to get that interview, so you can really show, um, showcase yourself, and, and expand on things. But yeah,
1: anyway. I love it. Thank you. And remember, everyone in the room, if you want to add your own thoughts or or ask any questions, you can always raise your hands. Um, but so I, I agree, Jason. It's going to be five pages now. If it's your first job in the industry, you might be saying, Steve, um, if I tailor my CV and portfolio for every company out there, that's going to take forever. And and I would agree with you because I I don't share this romantic notion, Jason. And we kind of laughed about it um before of i don't think it's sustainable or pro- practical to print out 10 bespoke portfolios and cvs and hand deliver them to 10 companies and walk around that's a really lovely idea and you might do that for one or two companies that you work with but chances are especially if it's your first job in the industry i think probability is a good way to go about it so my advice is say now if Jay, Where Jason works in Sellerfield is like my top practice. I might do one or two portfolios which are man, uh, maneuvered towards attracting that kind of company. So if the company does mainly front-end design residential, they're probably going to like all of the beautiful um, collages and 3D models I've done in my university. If you haven't got any experience in the industry yet don't worry. Just try to put some of the academic work, which is relatable, such as technical details and drawings, as well as the beautiful renders that you've done as well that's absolutely fine where i was going what I was going to say though is you might tailor it to two or three companies, but I think in by and large, you should start designing this sample portfolio that me and Jason are on about this five sheets uh, Do one version, which is good enough for everyone, right? So if you've got industry experience, always put that at the front. If you haven't yet, if you haven't done an internship or you haven't worked in in an office for three months or whatever during part one, don't worry. Just put in what you can with your work. But then with the catch-all one, I would say... Any examples of Revit um, is going to be important. I know it's not all your design. I know, I know, I know, and I've heard that a thousand times and I respect that, but the reality is also that BIM is fastly becoming industry standard for architecture practices, not exclusively, but it's moving that way. And I know it's not your design, but showing that you can handle any of those softwares, that's going to give you an advantage. If you can show that you know a little bit of Revit in your portfolio to a client like Jason, he's probably going to think, I might invite that person in for an interview because they understand BIM. Whereas if you don't get the point across that you've used Revit, that kind of gets lost. And if someone that talks about it and says they were the BIM support student in their year, that could be quite desirable. So you've got to think about being relatable to the company. Yes, they're going to look at your design. Yes, they're going to be inspired by some of the, the beautiful academic work that you've done, but also... You need to show that you are going to, as you want to alleviate the doubt in their head that you can't translate into industry from academia, and the way you do that is also speaking their language, understanding a bit of Revit, doing a bit of initiative, doing any technical drawings. That's going to kind of chip away at the idea in the employer's head that um you're quote unquote not ready to work in the industry, so. I think that's a good strategy to have is one, for start designing this five-page version. That's the portfolio version that you're happy to send out to multiple companies. And then once you've got that down, you might tailor a version for the two, three, four companies that you're really interested in. So if you're in Manchester and you love Hawkins Brown and you really, really, really want to work in their office, Maybe do a little extra ten percent of tailoring towards that. Um, but the other thing, which is also to do a strategy, and I keep talking about it, is especially when you're earlier in your career, you shouldn't limit yourself to just five companies. You should send your CV to a lot of places because you're entering the industry and you don't really know where you want to work until you start interviewing and and, and get a flavour for things and. That is going to come by you sending out more applications than you initially feel comfortable with, in my opinion. There's no harm in having too much choice. You can turn down the companies very respectfully, the ones you don't want to work for. And that is why it's very important what we're talking about today of what to design in that portfolio. So, Jason, I'm just going to catch my breath for a bit and have another espresso. I'm feeling tired today. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) But... Do you get what I mean? The psychology, Jason. It's like there's a few yeah companies you want to go for, but then also you need to do one that that is would would fit in most practices, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. It does, and um, maybe I should have just clarified that point there. So if you go in, if you're going for you know like, like a, a sort of medium to large size practice that does a range of different sector work. You know, so they might do industrial offices, laboratories, health, you know, healthcare. Um, then that that sort of one that Stephen suggested, um, would you know, you, I don't suggest tailoring that, but if you are if you are going um to 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 want to work at a very niche or, um practice, you know, maybe like nuclear, or if if you were going into conservation, for example. You know, then I think it's 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 just you need to spend that bit of extra time. Um, you know, there's no point in applying. I, I think to a conservation practice and showing um, loads of industrial buildings that you you know you've done. And the chances are, if you if you're applying for your fir- first job, you won't have that anywhere. So it's just it's just thinking about the the sort of more niche um, practices um, and tailoring that that first um portfolio that I think is important uh, just to show that you've thought about, you know, you've thought about who you're applying to. And then yes, you can for the majority of the practices, you can you can keep that sort of um you know that that that's portfolio um a standard across the board. So yeah, um I just thought that that's worth clarifying.
1: Yeah, I think perfectly said. So so okay, we've established now the strategy. You're gonna you're gonna there's two portfolios you need to design. There's the five-page one, and then there's the one in the interview, which could be, I don't know, 20 to 30 pages. You just, that one varies as well, okay? So it doesn't really matter, in my opinion, where you start, whether you start designing the 30-page document one, the one in person, or you, you start with the five-person, five-page, five-person am my on about the five-page one. It might be easier for you to start The five page one, and then you can even start applying with that while you're building up your larger portfolio of the talking person, or you might be someone who throws everything at it and then you need to condense it down. But so that's the strategy. That's what you need to do. So basic stuff we'll go through now, um, like we talked about in the last one with the CVs. Okay. No crazy fonts. Yeah. If you're going with landscape, keep with landscape. If you're going with A4 or a vertical, keep doing A4 verticals. Whatever you're going with, stick with it. Chances are you're probably going to go landscape for a portfolio. But the the one thing as well, which I think can be quite disorientating, tends to be, I see it more with architects further in their career, but it can be with students as well, is you don't want to have different side pages because that on a screen can look quite disorientating. So, for example, you don't want um, an A3 sized um, renderer and all that cool stuff, and then it goes to like an A1 drawing, and then it goes back to A3 and A A2. It's really disorientating, and people can get frustrated with that. As well as um, basically the the, I, the tell you what the other battle which I I, I used to hate. And I see people struggle with as well as file size, because on the CV, it's not such a big deal, right? Because chances are it's going to be two or three mega, what have you. But in portfolio world, there's another reason why I think, especially if you're sending your architecture portfolio, it's good to stay if you can under 10 megabytes. And that's why. Um, it's good to have five sheets because chances are you can keep it looking slick. And um, I personally do not like rastered uh, portfolios, which kind of look pixelated. Photoshop tends to do that. I see a lot of those. Um, I prefer views in design, it can keep the document a lot sleeker. And you've got to be careful when you're bunging drawings in um, portfolios, isn't it, Jason? Because they can get quite clunky. I mean, what do you think?
0: oh yeah and i don't i don't want dropbox links and uh we Transfer <laughs> links again that's just yeah. it's just too much it's too much admin so what you said is perfect you know keep that keep that um sample portfolio to a sensible size that most companies can um you know it'll go to the email and it'll go through because i think most uh 10 15 to 20 meg uh file limit so just be aware of that
1: as well so, yeah well said, and 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 you're right. And also, um, Jason, for instance, is in a large company, and I don't know if this is accurate, but I've worked in a large company before, and you tend to have firewalls and any links to Dropboxes and stuff. You just sometimes you can't even open them yes. because the IT policy will not allow it. And then the reality is, Jason, I wouldn't. Fight longer than one minute to open a document. So if it's hard for me to open it, I'll just give up. And that's the reality here, guys. Is that we, what I want to get in everyone's head? Is that you have to make it easy for the interviewer or into yeah yeah to in, to look at that document and be impressed. So you might be thinking, Steve, we, we're we're twenty five minutes in, and you've talked about length file size and you know a little bit about what's in it and how to tailor it but actually the strategy is just as important as what you're putting in there and the reality is you know better than me because you studied you've just done your studies Your killer images and I'm going to trust your gut you know what they are I've kind of suggested that you need to show the employer things they can relate to, such as any examples of technical drawings, any examples of Revit, or if you've done V-Ray, that could work in a company. So those are relatable things. But all the things that I'm talking about now are the little things that are easy to forget because you're concentrating on getting that beautiful collage and putting it in the front. But trust me, as lovely as that collage is, if that takes up 15 megabytes, Well, maybe this company that you're really interested in, they can't open up the file. And then guess what? That amazing collage which you spent ages on, they can't even bloody open it. They can't see it. So what happens? You get forgotten. So all the little things make the difference. And file size is key. Um, The other thing is as well, because we're in a modern world, you need to check whether or not the portfolio it could be printed well uh, on grayscale in color, but also more importantly, is it viewed well on mobile? Is it viewed well on desktop? Because chances are a director might be opening up the file in a taxi on the way to a meeting, right? And it's got to work and it's got to present well in that format quickly and make an impression. And if it does, and you haven't got these digital barriers such as file size and Crazy fonts or heavy drawings, which want load because you're on, I don't know, 3G because you're not in a 5G area. And the, the you know, the, the interviewer is walking, you know, traveling somewhere. Then you don't want all those barriers to, to stop the person from seeing your awesome work. So I think that's a nice halfway yeah. segue. Jason, what do you think?
0: I was just—I was just going to say as well—put put your name in the portfolio, so <laughs> it's you know Jason Boyle's portfolio, and you—you know—you've got a chance there of it not getting lost because mm. you just got to think that you know some people who are going to be picking these things up, they'll try and file it somewhere, and they might want to reopen it, and then it, it then you know they might have ten or fifteen of these coming in in a day. You want you just want to you just want to think about every step of the way, and if something was coming into you, what would you do to keep your chances high of this thing not going missing? So think about file size, think about the naming of it, you know, like, like Stephen said, how it's printed, um, the file format. Can you open it on an iPad? You know, all all them sort of things, and and especially on a phone. I think most people. Will probably, you know, you might not think that people will open these things on a on a phone like a portfolio, but people do, and 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 I do as well. So, you know that that is a absolutely great point. I think you made there, Stephen.
1: Great, perfect. Well, we've got another half an hour, Jason, because. I've heard quick Googled it now and we don't find out the verdict of Johnny Depp's case till eight o'clock. <laughs> so, so... Yeah, I have as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be our deadline, but we're going to cram in for another half an hour some cool little tidbits. And I'm going to maybe now go into, and together, Jason, we can go into, so we've talked about the parameters. We talked a little bit about the, the two different types of portfolios. Now we'll talk about the juicy things which are useful inside. So in the five page document, always put your uh, professional work, if you have any at the front, if you haven't, don't worry about it. But also put your most recent work at the front. I don't know about you, Jason, but when I look at a portfolio, I don't really care so much what the person's done in their first year of architecture, probably in between freshers and getting smashed I think it's like what's probably on the third year the final year when they're you know a, a little less hungover and all this stuff I, well i'm being I'm being very generalizing here based on my own experience, but you know I'm moving aside from that the truth is in your third year, the work is going to be stronger, probably right Maybe you have an awesome project in the second year, which you really love, but chances are in third year. You've got those three years of experience. That's your strongest work. So don't start at the early front. Sometimes people love to do that. They go, "Oh, I'm just going to show where my journey comes from, starting at the um, the lowest when I joined." And actually, that's not no, what's no, interesting. Don't do that don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but you you've seen what I'm on about, don't you? When people go, "This is why I didn't first year." This is my first hand drawing. And then look at, and then sometimes people can get, they turn, they, they lose concentration before getting to the good stuff, isn't it? So start with a bang, start with your most recent project or most relevant project at the front. If, for instance, um, you've done a little bit of work in industry, I think that's the, the rule, the exception to the rule. So if you're a part two, I always say, put your year-out experience at the front, followed by your part two project. Um, But uh, I know this is talking about finding your first job in architecture. So if you've done the traditional part one route, put your third year work at the front. And the other thing I like to do is if you can weave in, if you've done any technical modules, I think it's really cool to weave in, if you can, all the technical stuff, because I've seen people get hired based upon the details that they've done in technical modules or exploded axonometrics. And these are really cool drawings, which look pretty slick and can be presented beautifully, but they also illustrate to the employer that you've had a go at technical detailing. not expecting you to do everything correct, but you started thinking about that. And then you, it shows that you've got a little bit more substance and that you've, you kind of started thinking about how buildings come together. Now, you're not, again, you're not expecting to know all the answers, but you're making the employer think, aren't you? They're thinking, oh gosh, look at all these details. Uh, this could be great for my project. We're currently doing that stuff. And that's what you want. Okay. Yeah. Now. Talking about the longer portfolio. So we've talked a lot about the portfolio, which you're going to send an email. And that's important because we all want you to get into the interview. But if you're saying to me, Steve, I've already secured the interview. Well, now I'm panicking on what to show. Again, recent stuff at the front. It really helps to go through the portfolio. Practice it a little bit. But when you're talking about your portfolio in person, and we will go into this either next week or the week after Jason, I think next week will be cool. We can do the, we can talk about interviews and and techniques. But in essence, in terms of the portfolio helping the interview, you need to develop a flow where you can go for the projects and you don't need to put shitloads of text on the pages because you're not gonna read those texts in the interview and the project should speak for itself a little bit. So maybe you just you, you could put a little paragraph in so that people when they're reading the project can understand it, but I also tend to think that the labels on desktop and, and mobile which read really well or printed out are when you illustrate to the reader the software you've used and what the heck the drawing is. So one to 10, uh, technical one you know uh, the technical detail of x component or this cut of the building illustrating xyz at one to ten uh, modeled in Revit okay that's kind of a bit more informative about what the heck it is you on you know there's an amazing collage you could be look brought into um, Adobe Photoshop originally, or a BIM model, which has gone into Lumion and then into Photoshop, and just kind of walking the person through that um, in the portfolio is going to be useful. And then when you're in the interview, you're going to just do that exactly the same. You're going to talk about it. You're going to walk with the project and you're going to fill in the blanks. But don't be a slave to the portfolio. And what I mean by that is that I don't know if anyone's been in here in crits. I tend to think that the the most engaging crits are when someone kind of knows what they're talking about, but they haven't got a script. They're not looking at a piece of paper. They're not worried about following exactly. And they're in the conversation. The portfolio is to serve the conversation. It's to serve the interview. The It's not the case that the document is there in the room and you're just, you know, focused on that you're not putting eye contact you're reading everything out you're not missing anything you've got to be okay with adapting with it if you start thinking that the employer's a little bit bored with a page you kind of move it on and also it's sometimes useful when you start in the interview and we'll talk about this more next week but you can say look if there's anything in particular that you're interested in and you'd like to talk about in more detail please let me know and we can stop and talk about it you know and those are the really useful things and another reason why you don't need to put 100 pages in the portfolio is if you get a portfolio of 30 sheets you might also bring your mac your your tablet or whatever and you can have extra technical drawings in there so you can say to the person look this portfolio is an overview of the projects that i've done in my academia but if you want to see anything else just let me know and I might have it to hand because I've got some other drawings. Okay, let's go through it. And then you, if you say that, then suddenly you can start thinking of this portfolio as a document which represents what you've done and serves the the purpose. And what is the purpose of the portfolio is to convince the interviewer that you are the right person for the job. Okay, They don't need to interrogate the project to the X amount of detail. They typically will want to get a flavor of what, you're about what the project was what what you've learned what you're good at what maybe you're you need you know to develop and that's it okay you're obviously you can have a difficult interviewer and sometimes it does happen and they might go into the intrinsic stuff of projects but in reality most architectural professionals are really easygoing people and if you're respectful in the interview and the Um, the portfolio is a joy to read initially and those five sheets in an email and then when you're going through the interview and the document the portfolio is there and it really just helps the conversation flow And that's the key word helps the conversation flow helps it's not the bible it's not a book review it's a portfolio which is serving the purpose of the interview so All the stuff we're talking about is making that portfolio work for you, not the other way around, not hindering you. You're not stuck to the portfolio. The portfolio is your tool. It's your important document to get the interview. And then in the interview, serve the conversation of the interview so that the employer feels like they've seen enough and that you're ready for joining them in their company i mean jason what do you think about it? do you agree with that as an an interviewer
0: yeah i do i do and I, I thought there's a there's a top tip i think that works with what you're saying so you go through you go through that portfolio and it's like an aid memoir of you know so you can actually describe um the work that you've done in that portfolio but leave pr- print off um a copy um, you know, a three a three size um, of that, and leave the employer or the, the person who's um, interviewed you with a copy. I think that that's that's a really good tip that I've seen used before, and I, I've got it in my hand, and um, and and you know, it it's that 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 portfolio is now in my hand, and and I've got to do something with it. So it it's it just it just separates you from the um the the rest of the people that they might be seeing because you you try and do um you try and do all the you know the if you're searching for someone you try and do them interviews all on the same day so if you know and you'll see a lot of different portfolios so anything that can make you um stand out and maybe be called for a second interview which you know some employers will do want that they? they'll shortlist um they'll mm. have the first interview and then you might you might get down to a a final interview. Which um is, is very common at big practices. Um so that that is a good tactic. Um, you know, it's uh, I just thought I'd add that one in there. Um Perfect. I th- I think the the, the the other one is is like just keep them them backgrounds um fairly sort of um clean, you know, the sort of white background or light grey. Don't go with any crazy background colours. Um the the images as well, you know, that you know have a range of different size images. I'm not I'm not saying different size paper um sizes, I'm just talking about the image size. So you've got some maybe some small images and then you've got some quite large images, just vary it up so it's like pleasant to the eye when you're talking um through your portfolio. So you want you want to spark interest on every page. You know, and i always I always say get someone who is a non architectural person to look through and give you know let let them um see what they think you know when you're actually talking through your work that that's that's a good thing and they they might give you some sort of tips and say well you know i don't I don't really like i don't think that's clear there in your portfolio that isn't um that isn't standing out for me maybe if you made that image bigger." I'd understand more about what you are saying because I think you can, you can, you can sort of see plans, can't you? Um, and I've seen plans before, and then there's been like huge CGI image of this building, and I want to look at the plan. I want to see the actual design because um, it's important to me. Um, so I want to, I want that plan to be readable in some way. Um, and relatable to the building and you know that's that's another sort of important thing so if you've got a particular project you've been working on um it's got to be legible so i can see the sections plans and the the 3d image and it should be it should be easily conveying that that building you shouldn't have a tiny little plan a big section, a small CGI image. So you've got to think about you've got to think about things in that sort of context. Um, because at the end of the day, Stephen, it's all about communication, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I think um, communication and 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 you said something which I really agreed with is not you need to vary it to keep it flowing and to keep the person interested. Now, as well as um, sizes. And images, which I agree with you on, Jason. I think what's probably worth mentioning is no one wants to see ten sheets of plans in a row, right? It's just like, oh, no one wants to see. Um, oh yeah, hey, yeah Jason. Yeah. And, yeah, imagine someone prints off a design and access statement, Jason. So, so anyone that's just getting in your job in the industry, you won't need to worry about that. But where I'm going with this is, you you don't want to reel off ten plans of all the floors of your I don't know recent project because that gets boring quite quickly. You want a plan, an ax the metric, a different kind of section, a collage, different scales, a little detail of one area, or maybe you get really smart with it and you start connecting things on the page so it gets really efficient. Maybe you point the the you have a little technical detail which goes you know is connected to a sectional cut through of a building or an exploding axonometric, you also then have some technical details as well. So you can be really smart with the the page. Or for example, you can have a render or a model or a model to some initial drawing. So whatever the imagination has. That's why I'm reluctant sometimes to talk too specific about should it be this color? Should it be that color? Because your imagination and that that comes from, within, comes from you, right? And also by the time that you've done your projects, it's kind of too late. I don't want to tell you you need to go back and do your drawings again. There are some other channels which talk about current techniques, V-Ray and all that stuff. But where me and Jason are coming from is that we're giving you the tips from people that are looking at your CV. And I look at CVs all day, right? And nine or 10 times, it's actually not, for instance, how slick that render is, of course, it's nice stuff look pretty, but it's the fundamentals that we're talking about in the portfolios that trip people up. So, for example, it's strange fonts, it's clunky um, PDF files, it's crazy sizes, it's links, as Jason said, to Dropboxes. Or it's not even doing a PDF portfolio is having a website and expecting everyone to go to your website. You wouldn't believe how many people I speak to would do that. And the website's awesome, but it should be, you should have a PDF portfolio and you should have, you should be prepared for people not to look at the portfolio because sadly they get, sorry, not to look at the website because sadly they get too busy and stuff. So think about these things always when you're designing your portfolio. I can see we got Michael on the stage. Michael, how are you doing? Are you all right?
2: Yeah, hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for letting me come up and hang out. I am um, perhaps not looking for a, a job in architecture, but I am working on an architecture project. And I suppose maybe if there's some route that we can connect the conversation back to what you're talking about then that's interesting i don't i don't i don't have a portfolio the things that I'm doing are kind of um, rendering historical buildings in 3d assets for augmented reality there's a big aec kind of overlap between the technology i use and um, architecture love the topic happy to talk about it or just Kind of kick around ideas, have uh, a company of my own, have done hiring and things like that as well, and um, you know had internships that get college credit and all kinds of stuff. So, thanks, Mike. See what the group was about.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. While you're here, then, as someone that um, you mentioned, you have your own company, which is awesome. I'd love to know, in your opinion, maybe some portfolios that you've seen that were impressive maybe some things that caught you off guard, or is there anything that you've noticed that catches your eye when you're looking for people to join your company in terms of what they send you, perhaps that would be really cool to hear.
2: So, you know, I use contractors a lot, you know, they're, they're not necessarily like full-time employees, but at the same time, a portfolio is useful. Um, I think that the gathering everything up into like you were talking about a, a PDF is is at least a first step, but for me, I really want to have ways to dive into what they are doing online in their presence. Um, you know, at this point, like for me, in terms of media and promotion and and everything kind of associated with content marketing and things like that, it's really critical that I'm able to kind of track who those people are and, you know, maybe who our mutual connections are and how active they are inside of the conversations at large within, um, you know, their interests and, and the industry and stuff like that. So I think that being able to move eyeballs out of your portfolio into your network or even the content that is really important to you, say if you are blogging about architecture Um, Or if you run a social media account related to architecture or whatever the topic might be really is a valuable uh, mechanism so that you can, uh, again, drive traffic or get connections or even uh, grow your audience or whatever. Because even if you're not necessarily Mm -hmm. getting that job, that doesn't mean that you haven't established a relationship. So that's pretty useful, too. Um, so some of the stuff that I'm doing when I'm out looking for clients now is really not relying on words and pictures alone. So if I'm doing a, a a proposal or a pitch, I'm now putting together videos for people because that to me kind of brings all of those elements to life in a little bit more, um, modern way. I know that everybody doesn't, necessarily have great video skills. And these are not talking head types of videos. These are edited um, where I'm rolling through footage or uh, still images and reading a voiceover, perhaps even utilizing music inside of this. And that is, I think, something that more and more people are doing. I do see that in terms of um, some of the job finding uh, websites and stuff like that where they want you to push a video out, you know, they're looking for you to kind of speak for a couple of minutes about why you want to work for them. So that might also be useful and maybe it doesn't have to be personalized and specialized for every single, um, position that you're, you're looking for, but if you maybe toss something together, a, a minute, a brief video, even if you're embedding that into your PDF, as part of your portfolio or part of your resume or your CV, then that's a, a useful asset as well.
1: Thanks, Michael. That's super useful. And actually, I love the when you're talking about videos. It's um, you can weave that into the traditional formats. But you're right; it is quite a powerful component. So, thanks for sharing all that, and it's super valuable. And I do one of the joys of being in Clubhouse as well is to see everyone's perspective and share. Different opinions because, um, that's every employer is slightly different. And, uh, I think it offers a lot of value. So thank you very much. I'm going to actually get my virtual audience here. I appreciate that, Michael. I, if it's okay with you, Michael, what I might do now is move, um, the conversation on slightly to Ding, who's joined the stage. Um, like she's on a call actually
2: at the. <laughs> so what i will do real quick is just kind of promote something um you know if there's anybody interested in history or chicago uh, i've got a project called chicago 1893 so it is a documentary and a book and a line of merchandise and things like that um, related to the columbian exposition which was a world's fair in chicago in 1893 and uh, as i kind of talked about at the beginning right now we're rendering the largest structures around the grand basin in three D assets that can be loaded up into augmented reality or virtual reality, and we're going to be releasing the first demo to the public this summer.
1: I look forward to seeing that. That was, uh,
2: yeah, I you, think that was the one that Frank Lloyd Wright did. I no, think he did something. He did not actually, um, but his uh, the person that he studied with, Louis Sullivan, did.
1: Ah, the Jason Louis Sullivan. Yeah,
0: call, we call it
2: transportation building.
1: There you go. That's the first time, Jason, I've seen you wrong live. That will definitely make it into the podcast. I
0: I shall go back and check my facts.
1: Yeah, yeah, computer crash. You're allowed to... It's basically, Jason, Wednesday is the Friday for us because it's the jubilee here in the UK. So we've got an excuse to hit the PIMS extremely hard in the next two days where, um, I don't know, a Union Jack and just... Get absolutely trolleyed on the streets so thank you michael i really appreciate that now i'm is sude as you still on the phone
3: Um, Uh, i'm here hey brilliant Brilliant. hey Um, good to
1: um, have you yeah
3: i'll briefly introduce myself and i'll get to my question so i'm sude uh i've literally i've literally just submitted last week (laughs) um and I don't know if you'd still regard me as a student, but uh, I've basically just finished my undergraduate. And so I'm at the key moment of making portfolios and applying for jobs now. Um, And I had some questions uh, about the portfolio making stage um, and I'll go through them very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I've seen on portfolios online and that goes around verbally is how to include and whether or not to include extracurricular things that you do that are related to architecture. Um, and Michael also just mentioned like running blogs and so on because I personally run a blog um, with two of my friends that are related to architecture. Um, I've been a part of our architecture society for the past two years. And it's like, do you mention them only in the CV or can you mention things like that also in the portfolio?
1: mm good question I, I i think there's no wrong answer I think that i would I would think of them like the cherry on the top which shows your character however I would say so they is to kind of get the make sure that you you kind of take as much many boxes in the 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 main structure of the portfolio as you can so going over those details your drawings your recent portfolio. And then I think that I've seen, for example, which works really well, hand-drawn the beautiful paintings at the end. And you're right, it really can make the difference in an interview. It can be a big deal. So There is a design director of an architecture practice I know where he met a part two I put forward for a role and he loved the work that this person did. And then he did a bit of artwork on Blade Runner, which was his favorite film. And and it was also the interviewer's favorite film. And he kind of semi-joked, like, um, doesn't matter what you say from here on, you've got the job. (laughs) And uh, the point point was, it was that little bit, as you mentioned, which it, it meant that in the interview, there was a light moment. But the reality is as well, it was because of this person's grasshopper skills, which were kick ass and the portfolio illustrated that with then the artwork at the end, which was kind of mm-hmm. the cherry on the top. So yeah. think of it like, um, yes, the sprinkling on the top that shows who you are, but make sure that in the core crux of what you do, then it, it, it speaks the language that the hiring manager the employer's probably going to be looking for. So any technical details, any Revit, any awesome illustrations, any, you know, understanding of plans, technical drawings, and that's all going to be really useful as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. another, just, just, oh yeah, go ahead.
1: I was
0: just going to say, just don't underestimate, um, you know, freehand drawing. I think it's still mm-hmm. very, very valuable. And I know a lot of, um, a lot of older partners in practices would would love love to see hand drawings, um. So just you know, just also bear that in mind as well. we we'll carry on, yeah.
3: Okay, cool. Um, that's good because I mean, it. I feel like it's very natural for architecture students to also do sketching on the side, which is relevant. Um, another question that I had was, what is in essence the best format to display your portfolio when it comes to the interview stage? Um, is it a physical copy? Is it a copy on like an iPad? Um, is it a mixture of both and so on?
1: Mm, good question. I've seen, it, it depends on the, maybe if you got like the the killer Mac, big, beautiful one, that's quite seductive and that could work really well. But I think if in doubt, I, I think while you don't need to print loads of portfolios to hand out to companies because you don't, you can't control whether or not that's being used or put in the bin. Actually printing out one beautiful portfolio for yourself is not a bad thing, you know, and then I would rather than printing loads of portfolios out for people. I think it's fine to just spend a bit of money on your portfolio, which you're going to take two interviews and it doesn't need to be like an A1. I don't know why, but on my part when I had this massive A1 portfolio and I think, you can do a beautiful A3 portfolio. And I've seen you can buy, like I did um, a steel case, which I found online for 60 pounds. I didn't make my case. Some people did make their case, but then I had these really cool plastic um, adhesive insertables. So I would print my A3 sheet out, stick it on that and put it in this steel portfolio. So I did that. It got me that job, but I have seen people get jobs through presenting their work on a tablet mm-hmm. I've seen and also you might be presenting your portfolio on zoom which is mm-hmm. totally digital um you just kind of have to prepare for the variables the downside with technology is that it could be for instance your battery dies or maybe less dramatic it could be though that while you find the screen is easy to use If there's four or five people in the room in the interview, it's really difficult huddling around the small iPad, and that can kind of take the wow factor out of your work. Um, So I think, if in doubt, print. Um, But at the same time, we are moving closer to it not being the status quo anymore. I think 10 years ago, if you asked someone, they would just say you have to print it. There's just absolutely no... Alternative we are moving away from that but you have to just be mindful that you if if there's one thing and the one theme of this today is that it needs to be easy for the participant who's viewing it initially in an email or in person it's got to be easy for them to do that and so if your little iPads cracked and all this stuff well that's not going to put you in the best light but if you have the amazing iPads Maybe it's a cool thing, but you can, you can, you can print, um, portfolios off quite economically, you know, Mm -hmm. as well. So go with your gut, but see what is, but yeah, I, 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 maybe once you printed it all out, have a think about what would be a cool way to do it, but you don't need to make the portfolio. That's like a nice to have. I've seen some people do it, but you can also buy some really nice portfolios to do it. I've seen some people put them in boxes uh, with drawings. I've seen some different stuff that looks cool as well. So, so they I'm going to have to wind the room down now because. That's, um, that's but Thank but you. what what I was going to say last thing be, and hey no problem I've done a lot of videos on um architecture portfolios, which you can find on my website, which is the com. If you go to forward slash resources, lots of videos on CVs and portfolios. And I'm going to be launching very soon a new, well, spoiler alert, Jason, a new course section. And over time, I will be building up some CPDs as well as the stuff that I've been working on so far. So this is a joint collaboration today between myself, the Architecture Social, and Jason Barl, who's representing the Global Architects Alliance. So Michael, I really appreciate and see that you've been on the stage, but Jason, just before we wrap the room up, please let everyone know um, where they can find you and find all the stuff that you've been up to.
0: Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, it's the Global Architect Alliance. There's a clubhouse on here um, where you'll find most of my uh, sort of details. And you can also obviously find me on um, LinkedIn as well, um, Instagram, Twitter. So yeah, it's been, it's been absolutely fantastic debate. And we're going to do interviews next week. So I'm looking forward to that one because
1: I think that's a critical, that's a critical test absolutely well thank you so much everyone see you next week if you want to join us we talk about some cool stuff and thank you michael for joining us on the stage and everyone that was here you're all awesome i'm gonna be ending the room in a few seconds have a fantastic evening yeah no problem take care everyone bye-bye